Coming up on Mayo Clinic Q&A. COVID has put the bright spotlight on a lot of things, and one of them certainly is the importance of labs and the professionals that work in them and the, the critical nature of their job. Last year, Mayo Clinic Laboratories performed millions of COVID-19 tests from all across the country. Today, that testing continues to find solutions and to stop the spread of the virus and its variants. We'll need to continue to test to look for how people have been vaccinated, are responding, are they getting infected? So to continue to do different types of tests that not only test for the presence of the virus, but has the virus changed in some way. So still lots to learn and understand. Welcome everyone to Mayo Clinic q and I'm Dr. Helena Gazelka. This month, we celebrate both medical laboratories and laboratory professionals. While it has been in existence for 50 years, this year has been unlike any other in the history of Mayo Clinic laboratories. The outbreak of COVID-19 put testing and lab medicine in the spotlight. Mayo Clinic Laboratories has performed over 3 million COVID tests and formed new work streams and partnerships during the pandemic. Here to discuss this with us today is Dr. Bill Maurice. Dr. Maurice is the president of Mayo Clinic Laboratories and the chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic. Thanks for being here today, Bill. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, I have to say that laboratory medicine and lab professionals are true unsung heroes, I think. And during the pandemic have been more important than ever. So I'm excited that we get to chat today. Yeah, me too. I mean, it certainly, as you said, it's uh, COVID has put a bright spotlight on a lot of things. And one of them certainly is the importance of labs and the, you know, and the professionals that work in them and the, the critical nature of their job. And the incredible progress that was made in one year. It's just really been spectacular. Yeah, it's mind-boggling, really, truly is. Bill, tell us a little bit about the role of lab testing during the pandemic. Well, I mean, lab testing was really critical, right, and continues to be critical. But it, uh, going back to the early days of March of 2020, uh, when there was a call for testing to be available to the American public and to the American people and to people around the world, it was because of the need to understand uh, where COVID was, how it was spreading, who was getting sick, um, and, and because that's the only way we could manage the pandemic, that was really our only tool to then understand how to develop the therapies and the management plan for these for these people. So um, it really was our, our our eyes on on the pandemic as it spread, and a way to keep our finger on the pulse of the pandemic as we dealt with the, with the different surges and cases and other things as it played out. Well, the intensity of your job during this and uh, all of Meta, um, Mayo Clinic Laboratories must have been intense. What have we learned in this past year and what will we take with us going forward? Well, again, I think we've learned that the importance of laboratory testing and diagnostic medicine in healthcare, right? Both in the US and globally. I mean, there's a real recognition that we need to continue to invest to to make the uh, to make diagnostic testing available to the people who need it when they need it, um, we've also learned again of the critical nature of the people that are doing those tests, and that we need professionals uh, in laboratory medicine who understand the technology and the science of what we're doing, but also understand the human need for this uh, for the testing to be made available and to be accurate and to be timely. So. And then we learned about the resiliency. I mean, it's something we knew already, but the resiliency of our staff here at Mayo Clinic Labs and in healthcare. I mean, it's when I think back to the things that we've asked individuals to do. I mean, for me, it was it was sure it was pretty pressure packed, but there were a lot of people that were asking to do jobs they had never done before. Um, you know, to to help meet the needs 
of the nation as Mayo Clinic helped to be part of our national response to the COVID testing, COVID pandemic and testing. So, so yeah, we learned a lot, a lot about ourselves um, and a lot about the work we need to do and are doing and its value. And obviously, Bill, Mayo Clinic wasn't alone in this work. There are many lab organizations that you've been working with, and you've had to pivot quickly during the pandemic. It seemed like how we tested, when we tested, was kind of changing very rapidly. Um, maybe seems more of a steady state now, but how did you accomplish that in conjunction with other leaders in the laboratory industry? And um, what did you learn from that? Well, again, you learn the power of partnership, right, and the power of collaboration. To your point, uh, we were having weekly calls uh, with, I'm on the American Clinical Laboratory Association board, um, now actually the chairman of that board this year, as of this year, but uh, congratulations. So that, thank you. So, but again, I think it's recognition of the, of the role that Mayo Clinic Labs, along with all the testing laboratories in the country played in responding to the pandemic. And we would have weekly calls. I would have compatriots uh, in, in, in industry. So not just in academic medicine, but in industry saying anything you need from us, anything we can make available to you to get the testing out there, to share best practices. Um, and then also not just within the laboratory industry, but also um, the manufacturers of the test. So, you know, weekly calls or more with, with the leadership from the diagnostic manufacturers, understanding the stressors that they had, um, because it was an overwhelming. And when you think back, I mean, in 2019, December, there's a disease that no one even really knew existed. And then by three months later, everyone in the country and around the globe wants a test to see if they have it. Um, so you, you just the, the stress was incredible. The ability of people to work together, to, to across different labs, across academic medicine and, and private labs and between test manufacturers and labs is just really amazing. And then to your point, just the resilience of our staff, right? Because and people, that wasn't just a Mayo, it was everywhere across the country where you had people coming in to do tests they hadn't done before, people to go out and get specimens at drive-up centers, things that we didn't even imagine. So the, just the ability of, of people to work together and the resilience of individuals to step up uh, when the country was in need was, uh, it's something that will stick with me for the rest of my career, for sure. And Bill, you know, I was struck by just how fast life can change. I didn't see this coming at all to your point that in December of 2019, no one had heard of this. Obviously you were aware of this far before some of the rest of us would have been, but I came home for vacation, uh, spring break uh, with my kids in March and Mayo Clinic closed. Uh, the next week. And so it was just astounding. What is your most, uh, or share a significant memory with us from uh, 2020? Gosh, there's so many. I think that, uh, you know, one thing that is, uh, one memory that will stick with me is just how much we didn't know, you know, yeah. and even because I was, as, because I was actually in Washington, D.C. in the first week of March for, for the ACLA board meeting and, and for the annual meeting, uh, there were a group of us that were asked to the White House to meet with Vice President Pence and Dr. Burks and others on the ta testing task force. And even at that point in time, I don't know that I really comprehended the enormity of what we were getting into. So I think just that, uh, and I think we have to remember that because that those are the investments that we need to make um, in in healthcare and in laboratory medicine to make sure that uh, that we can do the tests that people need. The other thing that really struck with, with has stuck with me, and one of the memories is when people from across our different communities started to reach out to Mayo Clinic and Mayo Clinic Labs for testing, whether it was, you know, uh, Native American communities or others. And just, it's really, for me, 
that the the challenges that we had to make testing widely available and that's and the need that for every for Mayo Clinic and for testing laboratories to be available to everyone who needs them across society is the other thing that's really stuck with me is one of the that's one of the real crystalline memories for me was being here late I was literally it was late in the, in the night and I got an email from from a from a, a Native American tribe uh, leader, tribal leader, saying, "Gosh, we need help," and just you know, just the just the need to get our, make ourselves available. So those are two things that really stick with me. And how incredibly gratifying for you, Bill. You know, a good day for me is I've really helped a patient or multiple patients in the pain clinic in some way and made a difference in their life. But I never thought of that from the viewpoint of laboratory medicine before. It's kind of one of those things that often goes on in the background until COVID comes along. And so uh, how wonderful for us to be able to celebrate uh, that type of progress and achievement. Yeah, and I think, you know, it is, it's, we're one step removed, and so it's pretty easy to become, uh, to, to become insensitive to the fact that what we're doing really affects people's lives, and that's one beauty of Mayo Clinic and the integrated practice is we have a very tangible uh, awareness of what the testing does for individuals as they come through, and I think it's been great, honestly, for the lab professionals. There's been a lot of um, this this year for Lab Week and for the celebration of medical laboratory professionals this month, to really to, that their work is really recognized. That people see the work that they do and the dedication that they have uh, to meeting the needs of patients that they serve. So, um, so it's, it is that is one silver lining is just the recognition that that the rest of healthcare and the rest of of the world has for the importance of laboratory plays and the dedication of the people that are in the profession. That's fantastic, Bill. I'm always looking for silver linings from COVID, so I appreciate you sharing that. You know, it, it seems that so much of the news now has turned to vaccines and how rapidly we can vaccinate individuals. What role does uh, testing take now that people have been vaccinated? There's so many questions about how do the tests work and do they still work and people have had vaccines? What do you have to tell us about that? Well, they'll continue to have a role. You know, it's it's we have seen the demand for testing go down as people have been vaccinated, and that's a good news because the demand is highest when the disease is most prevalent. But we know the vaccines, can, our understanding of vaccines and how they work will continue to evolve as well. So we'll need to continue to test to look for how people have been vaccinated, are responding, are they getting infected? Also, there's been a lot of discussion in the last three to four months about the variants that are emerging. So to continue to do different types of tests that not only test for the presence of the virus, but you know, has the virus changed in some way, particularly in someone that's been vaccinated. So still lots to learn and understand and, uh, and also how our bodies are responding to the vaccine, particularly over time. You know, That's one of the big questions out there is how long will we, people be protected? Uh, will we need to continue to test for COVID? What will that look like? So really thinking about the evolution of testing as we learn to live with COVID, to be completely honest, because I don't think it's it's something that's not going to go away completely. So we're going to have to learn how to manage it as part of the many illnesses that we in healthcare have to help people confront. Bill, speaking of um, evolution and of the variants, can you explain for me and for our listeners who are laboratory ignorant, um, do you use the same COVID test no matter what the variant is? And for every variant, do you have to develop a new test to, um, to figure out what it is? Well, you know, it's a great question. So the tests that we use, the diagnostic tests from the nasal swab that people would think about, the molecular tests that we talk about, 
you know, part of our profession, we recognize that these pathogens, these infectious agents do change. So when we make these tests, we typically target multiple different parts of the genome of the, of the virus in this case to make sure that there's enough redundancy in the testing that it won't be negative uh, if someone has it because of some change in the virus. Um, so that the testing still works. There are some, some interesting permutations that helped identify some of the emerging strains in terms of what was positive and what wasn't in the individual test. But what I think people really need to know is that to test for the variants, you have to do a different type of testing where you actually do more extensive analysis of the viral genome to look for specific changes. So it means there's new types of tests that we're creating in the background that give us more insights into the disease. But the testing that people are getting is still accurate. And then another question on that theme, uh, speaking of vaccines, when someone has had a vaccine and they, you would do a test to see if they have antibodies, is that a totally different test than what you would do to see if they were infected with the virus itself? That's right. It is a different test. You know, so there's tests that we're creating and continue to work on the test for the presence of the virus itself. And then there's tests that we have, like the antibody test, and now there's a T-cell test as well that looks for how our body has responded to the virus. Or potentially to the vaccine, and then last but not least, you know, with your with your expertise, uh, testing to understand those who have persistent systems from from COVID. You know, after recovery, is it a central sensitization issue? Is there something more? So there's all sorts of tests that we're going to continue to work on as again we get into more of the management phase as a society with COVID. Well, moving on to another topic. On March the 17th, 2021, Mayo Clinic Laboratories celebrated its 50th anniversary. That's amazing. I cannot imagine how much things uh, must have changed over time with laboratory testing. Tell us a little bit about the work of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. Well, it's amazing. And we did have, uh, you know, earlier this, I guess it was late last month now, uh, Dr. O'Sullivan, uh, the, the, the Essentially, the first the first person in my role who was the who was the oh, first wow. uh, Mayo Medical Labs at that time. Uh, I don't even know what his title was. He was the chief physician. He's actually he met a pathologist like myself, as well as Jerry Walner, who was the first administrator for the for the enterprise. Come and speak. And it is it's sure a lot has changed. I mean, they, you think about they were had doing things on the phone and with the dot matrix printers and a lot of handwritten stuff. Um, but and uh, but honestly, the thing that's struck with me more is how much is still the same. I mean, people want to work with Mayo Clinic labs because of Mayo Clinic. You know, just way back then, the value proposition really was a chance for other people who didn't come to our campus to have access to our diagnostic acumen and our ability to understand how to use testing to inform a patient's journey. And that that was a value proposition now, it, or then just as it is now. So um, that more than anything else has really stuck with me. Now it's grown. Amazingly, it started, I mean, Dr. O'Sullivan and others, Marie Brown, my former administrative colleague who's since retired, um, they would drive around <laughs> to the different hospitals and actually get test tubes and put them in the back of their car and things like that. So clearly that's changed to where we're now really a global enterprise, right? Where we have activities uh, in over 4,000 hospitals in the United States, wow. as well as, um, gosh, over 70 countries, probably over 80 countries that we actually provide testing to. Um, and, you know, pre-COVID, we did 25 million tests in 2019. So that's wow. pretty substantial growth. But uh, this year, I know still don't have the final numbers yet, but it's clearly going to be even higher because of COVID. So, uh, so pretty amazing and pretty amazing stuff 
that's happened within the department to that to accommodate that growth too. I mean, we so we have an automated floor. We still do most of our testing over ninety five percent in Rochester. It comes in. Um, we have an, a whole system in place to make sure that we do the best for each patient coming in in terms of who's handling the specimen to to let the hospitals know if there's a problem with the specimen, and everything else. And we were at the point with COVID. There were some days I think we processed up to 100,000 specimens in a single day wow. through that facility coming from all over the country. So it's, it's I mean, the enterprise itself that is pretty mind-blowing how much it's grown, but the, but the fundamental value that it provides to people that work with us is not. Well, okay. Bill, that is just really almost incomprehensible doing that many lab tests a year. And I, what astounds me is just thinking about trying to keep all of those straight and not mixing things up and making sure that they get processed in time. It must truly be quite an effort. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's probably the most important thing is because each individual test we do, that's a patient. That's someone that's somewhere waiting for an answer from Mayo Clinic. So and the amazing thing is that everyone along the way feels the same way, you know, whether it's someone in the handling, someone in operations, someone in the laboratory, you know, we do all of our testing um, in the same labs that provide service to Mayo Clinic patients that are on our campus. We don't make a distinction. So, and we do, we have some of the highest quality metrics in terms of specimen uh, stability and specimen tracking in the entire lab industry, just because we really want to make sure that we do everything possible for that patient to be a trustworthy partner in giving them and their provider the information they need. But it's, and it's, it, it's a significant effort. So, but it's, it's definitely worth it. That's amazing. And the efficiency you were talking about in the past, over the past 50 years, but the efficiency of uh, processing lab tests, it's really astounding when you, uh, you know, I have access to my medical chart and, or when I look for patients um, lab results, they're, almost instantaneous, it feels like sometimes at Mayo. Yeah, and again, it's really the de dedication of our staff. I mean, you think about the people that came in. COVID is a perfect ex example. You heard all these stories about people waiting one week or two weeks for their tests. Other than uh, one time where there was really just global shortage of everything to do testing, we were able to turn around most of our tests, the vast majority within 48 hours. And so to give people the answer they needed, even at the height of the pandemic. So. But that, that, that's the dedication of the staff. That's people coming in, that's you know working long shifts, working through the night, um, and everybody. They, to your point, the people keeping track of the specimens, where they came from, where they're going to, all of it. So yeah, it's, uh, it, but it is, it's pretty astounding. And that brings to mind something that I had read last week, that home testing is coming for COVID. They told me in an article that I would be able to go into my local grocery store or locally local drugstore and purchase a COVID test. How does that work? Are those accurate? Yeah, they are. I mean, that the the FDA continues to look at um, the the approval of these tests. And so, interestingly, they're this they're tests that have been available, like the Abbott uh, antigen tests, the Binax now. But to get that approval from the FDA, they now have to show not only does the test work, but that an individual can interpret it. So for home testing, there's a whole element where you actually have to show that someone can get the specimen correctly, that they can read the, the test correctly. Um, so it's uh, so yeah, they, they definitely work and they're trustworthy. And I think one of them has even been approved for serial, you know, serial use so that if you want to test yourself with some regularity to make sure that you haven't been exposed if you're in a profession where you can't protect yourself like restaurants and others as they reopen you know uh, people that are in the hospitality industry stuff like that so they oh are God. they do work and they are accurate and uh so they will help play a role here 
because we're not going to get to everyone being vaccinated, you know, within the next year, we're going to, at least we're going to be living with this. So that'll be important for people to have uh, available to them. Bill, 2020, as we have said, has been extraordinary. What do you see ahead in the field of lab medicine? Well, gosh, there's going to be a, a lot of interest and a lot of investment. I think the big questions that are out there will be, uh, what have we learned from COVID and what kind of uh, infrastructure can we leave in place so that if we have to respond more rapidly to an emerging pathogen, we can. And I think that uh, COVID is the most, obviously the most extreme example in our lifetimes, in our careers, but just in my six years in this role, this is the third emerging pathogen that we've had to deal with. There was Ebola, there was Zika, and now there's COVID. And so this is not a problem that's going to go away. So I think one of the things is really understanding what do we need to leave in place so that we're more ready next time because it, you, we saw how difficult it was to scale things up. It took a really Herculean effort. So that's one. The other is really understanding that people will want access to diagnostic information in, at, maybe outside the healthcare setting as we've seen with COVID. So what kind of changes will happen? What kind of testing can people get at home? So they won't have to go into a hospital or to a healthcare center, to a draw center. Um, and then of course, equitability. I think that's another big one for us is how do we make sure that everyone has access to diagnostic testing information because it's a huge driver of healthcare and, and a determinant of healthcare equity. So that's another big, will be another big focus for everyone that's involved with lab testing. That's a great point to make. Bill, we are so excited to celebrate not only 50 years of Mayo Clinic Laboratories, but also um, National Laboratory Professionals Week and all the individuals um, who have tirelessly worked with you uh, through this past year and, um, uh, and always at Mayo Clinic Laboratories. Yeah, I know it's humbling for me to be in the position I am to represent the great, great people at Mayo Clinic. I mean, Mayo and DLMP, Department of Lab Medicine and Pathology, Mayo Clinic Labs, who are so dedicated to serving people and to people in healthcare laboratories across the country. I think everyone should have a real sense of pride in the individuals that, that every day come into work doing their best to provide people with the information they need. Well, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Any last uh, words you'd like to share with us today? No, just thank you for the opportunity and uh, and anyone who listens to this that's works in the lab, uh, happy lab week and, 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 and lab professionals month. Thank you so much to Dr. Bill Maurice, the president of Mayo Clinic Laboratories and the chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic for being here with us today to laud our um, laboratory professionals. I hope that you learned something today. I know that I did and we wish each of you a very wonderful day. Mayo Clinic Q&A is a production of the Mayo Clinic News Network and is available wherever you get and subscribe to your favorite podcasts. To see a list of all Mayo Clinic podcasts, visit newsnetwork.mayoclinic.org. Then click on podcasts. Thanks for listening and be well. We hope you'll offer a review of this and other episodes when the option is available. Comments and questions can also be sent to Mayo Clinic News Network at mayo.edu.